Hello and welcome to the newest edition of Pro Pharma Talks. Today our topic is about the reality of testing positive for COVID-19. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind you to review and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the newest edition of Pro Pharma Talks. My name is Alex Hernandez. On the other line is Dr. Craig Stern. And our, our topic for today is about the realities of testing positive for COVID-19. Now, what that means is there's a lot, well, before we get into that, we, we wanna go over a lot of the information that is out there right now. Some of it new, some of it standard, but there's also a lot of misinformation. We wanna make sure to get you away from that and into the more facts. And Dr. Craig Stern has all the facts, right, Dr. Stern? <laughs> well, I don't know if I have all the facts, <laughs> but you're right, Alex. I mean, uh, in today's world, people question facts. They're questioning right. science. They're questioning uh, issues with regard to medicine. And I think it's fair for us to bring it up and to try and deal with it. For those who don't believe any of it, we'll talk about that at the end and you can address it. But we think that it's fair that we at least bring up some of the more common things so that people have it. It's all referenced. It's all uh, someplace where you can go and find it. This is yeah. not some, um, uh, uh, you know, key where people are talking about something and saying, well, it must be true because so-and-so says it. This is there. I think the really sad nature of today is that facts and science don't seem to have the same weight as they once right. did. Um, uh, I was trained as a physicist, a mathematician. Um, I do believe in science, but I would say to everybody, if you believe uh, in what's happening with hurricanes and tornadoes on the East Coast of the United States, if you believe uh, in what happened a few weeks ago where an asteroid came close to the Earth, if you believe that uh, people get sick versus stay healthy, you're believing in the same concepts of science and you can't say one without the other because we're all doing the same kind of science concept. Right. Okay. And, and when, when you're talking about science, I mean, it stems from curiosity, right? Questioning things, questioning this, questioning that. You would think questioning would lead people to want to find out actual information, factual information from credentialed people that are you know, trained and um, exercise the scientific method. You know, they go through the whole question, you know, hypothesis, and then evidence. That's the big key point, right? When everybody's talking about the scientific method, a lot of people are missing the evidence part. <laughs> yeah, I, your point is well taken, Alex. Um, yeah. I agree with you entirely. But I think in today's world, people hear one story, and then a while later, they hear another, and a while later, they hear another. Science is evolving. Whatever we thought that we knew at one time, it evolves and we know something more when we get more evidence and deal with it. Um, right. Clearly, there was a time where people didn't believe that the earth went around the sun. Um, then a fellow named Copernicus came along and postulated it. Then issues with Galileo that effectively created experimental science began to put this together so that people could get it. Now it happens much faster, of course, with social networking, but the people who are disturbed because information changes, new information is made available, <clears throat> that's the nature of science. 
That's what happens. When you get new information, then you can make uh, new um, findings. Science is right. all about the question. It's not about the answer. It's all about the question. You ask the question and then you work to try and understand, is it true or not true? And mm -hmm. I think people are worried that um, when people come up with some sort of um, ideas, maybe crazy ideas, maybe good ideas, but a lot of it hasn't been validated. No one else has tested it. Uh, science is all about trying to ensure that whatever information that we have is in fact verifiable and that if right. I do it or you do it, Alex, that we will both come to the same answer. We'll both come to the same conclusions. Right, right, absolutely. So let, let's get right into it. What is the science behind COVID-19 at the moment? Yeah, it's a huge subject, but let's address it. The first thing is, is that most people who get COVID-19 are not going to get deathly ill and are not going to enter in the hospital. Clearly, we, we have all of the data to show what's going on. That tells us that there are severe problems. Um, but the current mortality rate is close to 3%. So at the end of the day, most people that get it may not have symptoms, may have symptoms, but it's something that they can handle at home and we'll talk about what to do about it. But I think a lot of people are bothered because they don't see anybody who has it. They don't see anybody who has a big problem. And so when people talk about it, they can distill it and they can say that people who are old in nursing homes or otherwise, they get it. Uh, clearly there's a lot of data now to show that it happens in kids and in schools and that they're spreading it that way. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, people need to understand that most people that get it um, either will be asymptomatic or will be sick for a few days. And then you wanna keep it controlled, isolated, so that they're not spreading it around to everybody else. Now, what about now, vaccines? I'm sorry, go well, ahead. Yeah, well, one thing I wanted to touch on, and I, I don't know if you're gonna to touch on it later, but the, this whole thing about antibodies, when once you have COVID-19 or you've been positive or asymptomatic, when you're asymptomatic, do you still develop antibodies? Do you already have a lot of antibodies? Like, is that what makes you asymptomatic? How does that work? Well, the, the, the idea of asymptomatic means you don't have symptoms. That means that you don't have a fever, you don't have a cough, you don't have a cold type of, of uh, or flu type of symptoms. But that doesn't mean that you don't have the virus. It only means right. that you don't have a load of the virus that makes you very sick, or that you don't have a lot of other comorbid conditions, meaning things like obesity or diabetes, um, et cetera, that can make it worse for you. So in this particular right. case, asymptomatic doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that um, you may have it, but it hasn't attacked your system. You may be younger, but there's still been very viable uh, football players and other uh, athletes that have gotten really sick uh, and in some cases died uh, because uh, even though you're in good physical condition, that doesn't mean that you can't get the problem. The real issue that everybody's worried about is, okay, um, you know, you get it, you, you get better, it's okay. So it's just like the flu, you get sick for a few days and and um, that's all right. And the reality of it is, 
is that the COVID-19 virus, which is a SARS virus, and we already had a condition before about it, uh, a SARS and MERS uh, epidemics and pandemics that we had, this is a different, um, um, it's a different virus. And this virus, when you have something like it's a virus that is foreign, it comes into the body and the body naturally builds up a, a normal defense mechanism. And that normal defense mechanism can be measured by the antibodies in the blood and in the tissue that can uh, react against it. The COVID-19 is not the same as the flu virus, certainly not the same as the measles virus or any of those. It is a serious virus that creates different kind of symptoms in very sick people. Now, the good news, really good news, is that everybody doesn't get really sick. This is not like the Black Death that killed half of the population of Europe uh, in the Middle Ages. It's not like the uh, Spanish flu that killed millions of people. That's the good news, but it's not the same. It is a different one and a lot of the symptoms are severe. Um, they are not unlike what you see in some very severe kind of conditions, whether cancer conditions or otherwise, with cytokine storms, which is also a response to an infection. And so it is processed differently by different people. The, the, the uh, transmission is certainly respiratory. It's through droplets for coughing, sneezing, singing, talking, breathing, which is why you need a mask in order to try and prevent you from infect, from me from infecting you and you from infecting me. And these really small droplets can accumulate so that the droplets form particles, meaning a larger particle, because a lot of this is, is microscopic, you can't see it. Some of them become even larger particles that can be seen, and those then uh, become a problem as to what people have and how they do that. But the mm -hmm. respiratory droplets then, those cause infections. They get into the mucous membranes of the nose or of the mucous membranes of the mouth, and they then act as the as the uh, spot that begins the infection of the body. And uh, for those that are, are uh, asymptomatic, that's good news. For those that are symptomatic, it can be very severe for several days. Um, but either way, this is uh, worse than a really bad cold. It's very bad. And if you have a lot of other conditions going on, it becomes a problem. Now, yeah, what else so basically, it's just easier to infect people than the, the ones you just mentioned, actually. It is. it is. Well, maybe the Black Death one. I don't know. There's not much uh, recordings on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was no joke at that time because yeah. thankfully science has progressed since that time. So we know how, how where the vector is, where did it start? We know <laughs> how to transmit it and deal with that. But this is no joke when you kill half a population of Europe. Yeah. This, was, this was no joke at all. Now, People talk about, well, okay, then there's, there's a solution, there's a vaccine. Um, clearly, people talk about the vaccine. This is, once again, not a political talk, but there's a lot of talk about when it will come and the rest. You have to listen to the manufacturers. The manufacturers of these vaccines are saying we aren't going to be rushed because uh, people want to hear it, they want to deal with it, whether it has anything to do with elections or otherwise. Because if they don't, 
then they're going to have vaccines that that don't work, and then nobody will take them. And then and that is the real concern of what happens to what goes on. Now we're already having a hard time with people trusting us with the flu. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's yeah. a real problem. Let me go up with some of the drugs that people have brought up. Um, the president of the United States was treated with an antibody uh, cocktail. It is not approved by the Food Administration, uh, Food and Drug Administration. It has not been tested in multiple people. It's not clear what the consequences of it are. Just because um, my mother had a problem, my grandmother, my friend, my whatever, doesn't mean that the drug will work for me if it works for them. So uh, right now, uh, they've uh, 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 Regeneron that makes this antibody cocktail has asked for an emergency authorization so that they can give it because they don't have large scale studies yet. So no one knows it may work in one person, but it may not work in another. It may work in one person, but people get severe uh, reactions. This has already been found in several of the um, vaccines that are out right. there. You don't just give it to people and let people get sick. You want to know, you want to be able to handle it. And if it is, then there's things you can do to try and minimize that problem. Yeah, because at the moment, it's just approved in theory because yeah. they, it should work, but nobody really knows yet. Well, the, yeah. and you're right. The, the theory about it is boost the antibodies so that if you've got a lot of uh, viruses that attack the body, if you boost the antibodies, then they will attack the foreign uh, virus. They will swallow it up and deal with it. But in fact, right. that may not be the ultimate solution. So having said that, yes, you want to see more antibodies uh, as in trying to prevent it, but more antibodies may also indicate that the infection is spread and that you have a, a more severe infection or a less severe infection, and that's that what happens. Right. Hydroxychloroquine, a drug that is used for a chloroquine that is used for malaria. There was a paper in Lancet that said that, well, it may be of some benefit it's been studied literally everywhere and is found to have no benefit whatsoever, zero. Um, in fact, the latest paper out of, the, um, out of uh, what's going on with the New England Journal identified that hospitalized patients did not have a lower incidence of death at 28 days. So they gave them the full spectrum and it had no effect whatsoever. So any of the issues that go on about hydroxychloroquine it's just pure false. There's nothing there. And the question is, well, you could take it, but you wouldn't hurt anybody. Right. Uh, studies have already identified that hydroxychloroquine can cause uh, cardiovascular problems, problems with uh, valves opening and closing to let blood through and out. Um, these are severe. They can be deadly. So it's not a matter of, well, you can take it and um, there isn't any consequence. In fact, the consequences uh, can kill somebody. This is serious. So you're saying it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> work. The other one, of course, is remdesivir that people have talked about and said, well, this is the cure. And in fact, remdesivir is not a cure. It was never supposed to be a cure. It was um, identified for use in hospitalized patients with an, a respiratory infection that were in the intensive care unit many of them at the time that were on respirators, some that are not on respirators because we've learned more about how to handle them, 
but uh, yeah. this was only to decrease the amount of time that someone was going to be on a respirator or someone was going to be really sick. And effectively what it did is it lowered the total time that you were on a respirator or the total time that you were um, really sick for, by about four days. Now, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it's not okay. a cure. It's <laughs> not a cure. All it is is to try and identify that you've got something that can help. It is not, N-O-T. It is not for ambulatory patients. It's not for patients who are symptomatic. It's not for patients who are, are uh, symptomatic in the hospital, but they're not an intensive care unit. This is purely for people who are severely ill, who have a respiratory infection, who are in an intensive care unit and dealing with it. Use of it in any other way is not valuable. It doesn't help and in effect can be harmful. So in that right. way, um, while there's a lot of talk with these things or one person gets it, um, this is not the case of, well, I could take a medication for pain because my mother tried it and it worked for her or some friend took it and it worked for them. That doesn't mean it's gonna help me. There's different kinds of pain. There's different kinds of, of uh, comorbidities or different conditions that I right. have that they have or I don't have and they do. So in effect, this is just um, an issue where just because someone has it and deals with it, it means that people will study it. It means that right. there will be research, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work on everybody. Exactly. And, and it, that, that helps as a reminder to everyone at home when don't share prescription pills. <laughs> no, no, don't. It, no. You'd be surprised, Craig. It happens a lot. <laughs> Well, be aware, um, yeah. people have also uh, brought up the issue of, well, if you are waiting for the COVID-19 vaccine, you can't take other vaccines. That's been studied right away, and it's very mm -hmm. clear, it's very clear that people can stay up to date with all of their vaccinations for uh, the human papillomavirus uh, infections, uh, which are, are from the genital tracts, hepatitis B, herpes zoster, they're not a problem, including uh, the Pneumovax or pneumonia vaccine. You have to make sure that you're staying up to date with it. It's a huge problem in pediatrics with kids that have not been kept up to date. Measles is the most transmissible of all of the diseases that we know. This is not as, as severely transmissible as measles, but it's the same thing of, well, I won't I won't take a measles shot. I won't take a chicken pox shot. I won't take a, um, a, a mumps shot. Well, in effect, of course, you are going to do that because no one wants to have the kind of disease that measles can occur. It was a resurgence because people weren't, uh, weren't getting vaccinations. The notion that you don't take the vaccinations because you've never had the problem, the problem is to make sure that uh, one, you have a very good chance. Nothing is 100%. You can take right. a vaccine and some subset of it will get sick, but you also have to understand that while you may not get sick, you understand that there is a greater risk of it. And more importantly, if you have it and you're asymptomatic, you may transfer it to somebody else. And your personal concern about what you do ends when it can affect me. 
Right. Right. And that, that, that goes into why, uh, why a, a lot of people are for this kind of, uh, lockdown, this quarantine, um, mainly because we, we understand there's a lot of people out there that feel like this is infringing on their rights or whatever that means. But there's the science behind it is we're doing it to protect people from other people. Right. Yes. Right now it's a very dangerous time. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But one thing we did find, one thing we did find was touching surfaces is not a common way to get COVID. That's helpful. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. Let's talk about some of the uh, misinformation issues. One of my didn't mention, by the way, is that uh, a Dutch study, Uh, looked at uh, pneumonia vaccine, and they looked at community-acquired pneumonia and lower Mm -hmm. respiratory tract infections, and um, they didn't see that there was a problem uh, that appeared uh, that uh, it it dealt with um, milder cases treated in the community. This was really to try and influence the sicker patients, et cetera. But let's talk about more information. Prevention is the key. Uh, Alex and I have talked about this over and over and over. It's easier to prevent it than it is to treat it. And as someone who spent years in doing this, I can tell you it is significantly better to ensure the fact that um, you've prevented it. But And you know what's crazy? It even prevents not just COVID-19, but almost every other disease that's plaguing us in our society today. Yes, yes. (laughs) The same thing. Absolutely. Um, the, there's an old Chinese axiom that um, the doctor who does prevention is not known. The doctor who does surgery is well known, but the doctor who prevented it had a bigger impact on what was going on in humanity than the one who did individual surgery. Let's talk for a minute. Uh, once you have COVID-19, now what? Well, you've got a couple of options. One is you have no symptoms. Second is if you have symptoms. And the third is if you have severe symptoms. So let's talk about it. If you have no symptoms, then clearly you have to quarantine, but you're dealing with quarantine for about 10 days. You're dealing with supportive care. What does that mean? It means you stay hydrated, you you drink plenty of water, you get plenty of rest. You're making sure that if you have um, any particular symptoms that you're treating them, but this is asymptomatic. It's no symptoms from the disease itself so you're just leaving uh, and ensuring the fact that you get better, but you're not spreading it to everybody else. And, and um, is, is Nana's chicken soup part of the requirements as well? It is. It definitely is. <laughs> and my mother's chicken soup was uh, one of the great, uh, one of the great um, uh, preventions. Uh, um, I don't know. My, my grandma's is pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the decision, though, to stop isolation belongs with the doctor, not with the patient, because right. the doctor is going to be looking for whether you don't have symptoms, what was the testing, what happened, were there any antibodies, etc. And let's look at the other one. Suppose you do have symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the symptoms in general are going to look like cold and flu. That doesn't mean it's the same as cold and flu. It just means that when you have a respiratory infection, everything begins to look like cold and flu, but you begin to ask, well, what's different about it? And clearly there is differences here. There's issues with regard to pain and fever and loss of, uh, of taste, etc. So while you're dealing with it similar 
to cold and flu, even though it's not cold and flu, you're going to get rest, you're going to get a, a drink plenty of water. If you give a headache or pain, you're going to take Tylenol for that in order to try and alleviate what's going mm -hmm. on. You, If you have a fever, the Tylenol will help with the fever. You're going to self-isolate um, you know, for at least 10 days since your first symptoms so that you're not spreading it out to everybody else. Right. Now, finally, is if you have severe symptoms. This is not something that you can take care of yourself. This is where you can't breathe or you've got so much respiratory infection that you can't <clears throat> do normal breathing. You have a severe a loss of taste, severe loss of, um, of uh, being able not to be able to eat or drink, etc. Now you've got to call 911. You've got to be treated in a hospital and in that particular case, that's where you may see remdesivir, et cetera, for what goes on, uh, but you wouldn't have seen it before that. So understand that no symptoms, yeah, uh, you're gonna self-isolate and the doctor will tell you when to stop. Um, if you have symptoms, it's going to look like the cold and flu, even though it's not a cold and flu, but you're gonna be able to treat the, the symptoms the same way uh, with rest and, and drinking plenty of water, and Tylenol for pain, et cetera and fever in order to deal with it, and you're gonna isolate. Uh, and then severe symptoms, this is when you have to call the doctor and you have to be seen and, and potentially hospitalized in order to deal with a problem. So those are right. critical issues to understand. Yeah, and um, they're, they're helpful for people out there because um, even in um, the, when you show symptoms, people feel like they have to go to the hospital and that, that could really, um, you know, fill up these hospitals a lot faster than they need to be. If you're showing some symptoms, but you can, you can at least have like chicken soup, right? Chicken soup, yep. or yep. you can um, relax and kind of like take Tylenol and curtail this. But severe ones really need that space in the hospital. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, chicken soup um, is is a very good for no symptoms or mild symptoms, why? Mm -hmm. First of all, it has the heat, so it helps you uh, with um, cutting down on the phlegm uh, that you have in your throat and in your, in your uh, lungs. Um, mm -hmm. You have protein, you have the water for hydration, um, and so it hits from several different areas, and clearly, as I used to joke, my mother could treat a cold better than I could, but that was a cold not COVID-19, <laughs> certainly right. not SARS, certainly not MERS, uh, didn't treat that, didn't treat measles, et cetera, for that kind of thing. So it's um, not just an old wives' tale. <laughs> it's not just an old wives' tale. It's uh, critical in multiple cultures in order to try and deal with it. And in this case, mom was right. And, um, and just to let the viewers know, we did have an old podcast episode about some of these old wives' tales they might want to take a look at. We did. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely. did. Um, and um, Emmett brought it up, wanted us to talk about it, and she was very happy that we brought up some of these <laughs> things because she wanted to support her thoughts or otherwise. Let yeah. me do with access because it's critical. People okay. have talked and talked and talked about contact tracing. Someone gets sick and you want to find out who were they with. Who did they have contact with? Because you're trying to find out 
where is the disease, where is it severe, so that you can isolate those people and deal with it. In that particular case, it's what we found out. It makes um, the world in 2020 different from the Middle Ages with the bubonic plague, different mm -hmm. from the Spanish flu in 1918, where we have more information about it in order to address it. We've also right. found, to be fair, that while, uh, while uh, Blacks uh, have a, a greater, Blacks and, and Hispanics have a greater rate of, um, of uh, uh, being infected, we've also found that when everybody, everybody um, can get into the hospital and get the same kind of care, then the mortality rates are the same. That doesn't mean that um, certainly the people on the front lines, Blacks, Hispanics, etc., that get it and they don't get sick, that's, that's horrible, that's severe. But right. it's also something that we need to understand that if we can get people in, if we can treat them the same as we would anybody, I mean, this is medicine, doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what your color is, what your religion is, what your thought process is, it only means that if we can treat them, then we get the same results and the same mortality rates across everybody. Uh, right. There is uh, national surveys. The CDC has a, a survey called the National Center for Health Statistics. They buddied up with the Census Bureau in order to have surveys so that they can tell what's going on with contract, uh, contact tracing. On an individual level, it doesn't mm -hmm. help you. On a broad level, it helps you because it tells who are we going to isolate in order to make sure they don't spread it to everybody else. Right. Uh, um, the other part is precautions, uh, precautionary responsibility. Um, uh, employees in, in companies, if they're infected, you have to stay home for 14 days and self-isolate. Whether you have no symptoms or some symptoms, you need to isolate so you're not spreading it to other people that you work with. Um, hopefully it's paid leave. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Well, hopefully. Um, but also... An infected employee is not named so that you're not losing your identity or you're not being right. called out as a bad person. Uh, people are controlling it. It's a, it's a HIPAA issue to make sure that you're not calling out everybody and telling right. everybody what you've got. Right. Um, Carl just wanted to take 14 days off. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> or Alex. Um, <laughs> um, there is a 28-day period that is being watched. So it's not one or two days because people can be sick after one or two days, 10, 14 days. So 28 day periods. And um, you want to, uh, the goal here is to identify where people are sick, um, who, how did they get sick, the, the contact tracing, et cetera, in order to control it. Now, there are places that are super spreaders. I mean, clearly, where people are in large groups, they're not mm -hmm. wearing masks. They're hugging, they're talking, they're doing whatever. That's just dealing with it as if the virus doesn't exist. And let's be very clear. The virus doesn't care who you are. Doesn't care at all. They don't care. We should probably, we should probably change the, the connotation on super spreaders. We should probably change that to something more morbid or something scary. Because super spreader just sounds cool. <laughs> Well, understand that um, we're dealing with groups that don't care 
whether you're famous or not famous. They don't right. care whether you're old. They don't care whether you're young. They don't care whether you have one religion, whether you have a different color. The virus doesn't care. The but it definitely likes virus. Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. The bottom line, where I mean, this has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing, this is an yeah. equal opportunity problem. It happens to everybody, and the virus Absolutely. doesn't care. Our goal is to stop the virus one way or the other. So that's the some basic stuff, the precautionary measures we all know, wearing masks, washing hands, um, uh, staying uh, distant from someone uh, at least six feet or, or more, dealing with uh, trying to deal with, with uh, not spreading it, staying in small groups of 10, no more than 20, trying to deal with that so that you understand that um, whether it's in the United States or other countries and the rest, they have been able to control this. Right. Which is really simple things. And these are things that are so simple. They're more simple than anything I've ever used to treat people uh, because they are severe and they have infections, etc. In this case, it is so simple just to make sure you're protecting yourself, you're protecting your family, you're protecting your friends, you're protecting your grandparents or whomever, this is equal opportunity. It doesn't care whether you're young, old, or otherwise. The virus right. um, is in the air. It's these small droplets. It gets into the nose. It gets into the mucous membranes of the nose and the mouth and effectively spreads irregardless. Okay, so what happens if I don't believe in science? Yeah, that's a good question. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me take this because we've addressed this in prior talks about what to do. Uh, let me, I understand that there's some people that don't want to get the, uh, the flu vaccine or they don't want to get something else. I've even been told that some of the, some of the people that work with us uh, don't want to do it. Let me, let me try and put this in perspective for you. I've tried to do it. Science is science. I believe in it, but suppose we don't. Suppose we don't. If you don't right. believe in science, then look at what's happening not around you but what's happening all around the world see what is happening there if you don't believe what's happening there and you don't believe in science and groups in the u.s then the rest of the world and what's happening in the u.s are not different we may be more than others but look around and see what everybody else is doing because it's not a problem with not believing in science or not believing in that <clears throat> because it's happening everywhere. So it can be very poor people in India. It can be rich people in Beverly Hills. Um, it can be anybody, but people have to pay attention uh, to that. Now, if you don't believe in that, then take a look at what the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, or the Food and Drug Administration have to say. Um, and if you don't believe in them, then look at the hospital, look at the pictures out of hospitals and see what goes on. Now, if you don't believe in the hospitals, you don't believe in the pictures and you think it's a conspiracy, then take a look at, uh, at survivors and see what they have to say, whether they were sick or whether they were in the hospital. And if you don't believe in them, then check the coroner's office and see what the coroner's office has for the number of people that died from the indication because they have to report this so that everybody knows 
What did you die from? A heart attack, a stroke, COVID-19, whatever. And if you don't believe in any of that, if you don't believe anything, then don't wear a mask, associate with people who are symptomatic, get the infection, and then talk to us and tell us how you feel about it. Because one way or another, this is an area where you can deny, 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 deny until you get it. And then you have to try and address what's going on. I understand. And hope to survive. And hope to survive. <laughs> you may not yeah. believe in any of it. You may not believe in science. You may not believe in any of these things. But my statement to you is if you don't believe, follow the train of events and keep asking, asking, asking to see that you don't have any information that is going to change the world of what goes on. And if you don't right. believe it, give the evidence of why not. If it's purely your own personal feeling, then follow the train of things that I've talked about, where you keep looking. You don't believe in the US, believe in the rest of the world. You don't believe in the CDC, then look at what's going on in hospitals. You don't believe in hospitals, then go find the survivors and find out what, they, what data they have to say. If you don't believe in them or in any facts, then go, then don't do anything. Find out what it is and uh, get the disease and follow it. We certainly have experience at the top levels of the government of the United States for what happens when people don't care. This isn't a political issue. This is purely a clinical issue for people who got sick. You can argue all you want that they weren't sick, they weren't anything, but at the end of the day, people don't use drugs. They don't go to the hospital. They don't use up uh, physician time, pharmacy time, nursing time, everybody time to just waste time because people don't have time for it. Right, absolutely. And uh, one of the things I've, I've wanted to stress and I talk to people um, just locally around me, um, obviously with my mask on. And, um, but one of the things I wanna stress to people cause I hear, I hear the, the doubts in the information that is getting out. And it, it's understandable sometimes the news um, exaggerates things or misleads you. It, the facts are in there. There's scientific essays written by doctors, by researchers, by analysts that this, this, this virus is really real. That's, that's the most important thing is to get it in your head. It's a real thing. There are people that get infected with it. It's not just a made-up hoax. It's not something fake. Um, um, I know a couple people who survived from it. Uh, I know a couple people that didn't. And it's it's sad. It's tragic. But it's the way of the world right now. And you have to do your part in preventing it from spreading even more. Yeah. And that's if you're going to gather with family and friends, you know, there there's testing locations available. Make sure you get tested before you get together. Get together in small groups, but you can always get tested. There's, I, I have one right around the corner from me in College of the Canyons. I mean, I don't mean to tell everybody where I live, but College of the Canyons has it. There's a lot of uh, small colleges that are actually doing their part to help make their facilities available for everybody who wants to get tested. Um, I'm seeing it all around Southern California. I hope it's everywhere around the world that you can easily get to a testing site and make sure you're not one of the people that are spreading. Um, one thing I also wanted to stress was if you have had it before and you have survived from it, 
they are looking for antibodies, right, Dr. Stern? They, they want people to, to, what is it, donate plasma? I want to make sure I say this correctly. They, they are looking for people who have had the disease and to, uh, take, uh, their, to take samples of their blood so that they do have antibodies to try and help people who are very sick. As I've indicated, mm -hmm. we right. have progressed from how we were treating the disease in, in March to how we're treating the disease in October. Um, that's a very, very fast uh, mechanism of doing it. Uh, it's mm -hmm. certainly faster than most times than we've done it, but it has been a severe, very severe impact on the entire world. So yes, right. they have um, gotten blood, they have tried to use it in order to deal with adding antibodies to people who are very sick to try and save their lives. I mean, this is, this is serious. You can deny everything, but right. follow, follow the kind of reasoning I'm talking about because one way or another, you're gonna to get to facts. You're gonna to get to the right. science of it. Disagree, dislike, <laughs> certainly is kind of the argument we have where people are anti-vaxxers. They don't wanna get the flu vaccine because they've never had the flu. They don't think that they have to address it. The bottom line is to make sure that if you get it, you're not giving it to everybody else. You may uh, have it for a few days, four days, have symptoms and then feel better. God bless you, that's wonderful. Uh, but at the end of the day, you wanna make sure that you're not giving it to everybody else. These vaccines are, are not 100%. They will never be under the current circumstances, 100% accurate, but that doesn't mean that you don't take it. You can have right. um, seat belts, you can have all kinds of things that you do and they're not 1%, uh, they're not 100% um, helpful but it's you you still use them because you're trying to protect yourself and you're trying to protect others absolutely and uh just to refresh uh, all of our listeners prevention the best prevention you can for this virus and pretty much any other disease out there you know make sure you have a good clean diet exercise don't smoke and uh what's another one lose weight lose weight <laughs> Well, that comes with diet and exercise, right? It's kind of like three in one right there. But well, also no, now we got to add another one. Losing yeah. weight can be a problem because if you're overweight, you can exercise and you still have to lose weight. But yeah. you must, you must make sure that if you have diseases, uh, cardiovascular disease like high blood pressure or diabetes or um, asthma, you want to make sure that they're in control if you have to be viewed and you have to uh, make sure that you're using the right drugs, you're using them, you're using the right results, you want to make sure that that's being done. You want to make sure that if you have vaccinations, you're supposed to get flu vaccine and hep B vaccine if it's applicable, herpes zoster vaccine if it's applicable, etc. You have to right. make sure you stay up to date with it because you're protecting yourself and you're protecting all the loved ones that you have around you. And now, adding a new one to the list for prevention, wearing a mask. <laughs> Wear your mask. I mean, we, we, have, we have masks inside the house. Um, we have a location in each of our cars for masks. So it's very real. It's very easy to just do. When you go outside, when you go to the store, put on a mask. It 
You don't need to fight anybody over wearing a mask. Just put it on, make others feel safe, make others feel comfortable, and go about your day. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that, that's it for our topic for today. Any last things you'd like to add before we go? No, I think we've done it. We only ask people, um, look for the facts. And if you don't get it one way, then get it another way. There's more than enough information out there that is very consistent, identifies with all the issues, whether it's prevention or what to do. Um, please find out. If you think something else, then research it. Find out what yeah. your argument is and whether it holds water in comparison to everybody else. And especially Absolutely. with many of the drugs that people are using, please look at what goes on as a drug expert, please understand that one, there are no drugs right now for treating the, um, the COVID-19 and those that do, either they're totally false like hydroxychloroquine or they have some value, but they have value like remdesivir in a very uh, restricted population of people, not for everybody. Absolutely. And uh, on that note, we're gonna end the discussion here. Thank you very much, Dr. Stern. Um, we would like to remind everybody listening to go to ProPharmaConsultants.com. We have a free information page called RxInfoX, as well as uh, articles written by Dr. Stern himself. You can find them on our website at Pharmacy Benefit News. Um, it's in ProPharmaConsultants.com. Click the little menu, go to Pharmacy Benefit News, and you can find all articles written by Dr. Stern himself. And um, so that's it for our topic for today, and we'll see you guys next week.